Today on CityCast Pittsburgh, it's the Friday News Roundup. I'm with Pittsburgh Independent founder Brian Conway and CityCast Elizabeth Kama talking about all the stories we couldn't get enough of this week. It's Friday, February 10th. I'm Morgan Moody, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Today, I'm joined by CityCast audio producer Elizabeth Kama. Hi. And founder of the Pittsburgh Independent, Brian Conway. Hey, Morgan. Thanks for having me. Brian, you have an article that actually just published for the Pittsburgh Independent on what was definitely a highlight for several summers in the city, the Deutschtown Music Festival. So for our listeners who never got a chance to go, um, can you describe what that festival was like if you've ever if you've ever been? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for asking, Morgan. I have been, I feel like most years to the Deutschtown Music mm. Festival. Uh, Pittsburgh has a collection of a handful of large multi-day free outdoor music festivals. And Deutschtown was one of the oldest and one of the longest running and also one of the biggest, not only here in Pittsburgh, but across the country. Um, over 400 bands spread across more than three days at over 30 venues in the north side. Wow. Uh, what happened, though, in the past year or so that that has threatened this festival returning? Well, the good news is that Deutschtown is returning, uh, sort of. It will now be named the Northside Music Festival. Um, Deutschtown, I think like a lot of these big outdoor festivals, uh, hit some trouble in the past years. It was canceled in 2020 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. 2021, they had a small one-day festival that was eventually rained out. It did finally return in 2022. Mm. Again, it was the biggest year. Over 400 bands spread across more than 30, 35 venues. And the sort of the knock on these festivals, I mean, it's a great sort of way to get individuals into different neighborhoods in Pittsburgh to check out bands you might not know about. But it's a lot. I mean, it could be a bit overwhelming. And what had happened um, in the past uh, few years was that one of the original co-founders um, who was employed by the Northside Leadership Conference, which serves as a nonprofit fiscal sponsor for this event, they were let go by the organization. And this individual was arguably the driving force behind the festival. And so mm. a lot of people weren't sure if Deutschtown was going to come back this year uh, for that reason. And on top of that, um, last year's festival was also the most difficult insofar as there was a big thunderstorm that ran through the festival Saturday mm. afternoon, sort of at the festival's height. And that really caused some damage to the uh, vending area. And typically what the um, what the festival had done was they would make their money in beer sales. And then bands that would sign up, when they signed up on the Deutschtown website, there would always be a rainy day clause that said, you know, we're going to try to pay you, but we can't make any guarantees. And last year for the first time, uh, the majority of the bands did not get paid because the festival did not generate the revenue that they were hoping to. And so not only is the festival going under this upheaval with this uh, original co-founder who is gone now, but at the same time, um, I think there might be a little bit of trepidation on the part of some local musicians because a lot of the bands, uh, while they weren't promised that they would get payment, they weren't paid last year. Cody Walter is the co-founder who you said was let go from the festival. Did they say there was any issue leading up to um, what ended up being a lot of these vendors not being paid? Were there issues prior to that uh, that led to him being let go? Uh, That's a great question. And I think that, you know, these sort of festivals, they're always sort of done uh, hope and a prayer. And, you know, it's a very sort of bare bones organization. Mm. And I think, Morgan, you really got to the heart of the question here is, you know, is this going to be the same? And if it is going to be the same, why aren't they using the same name? And so I think with Cody gone now, 
and I touch upon this in the article, there are some questions insofar as the genesis of this festival. You know, um, Cody and the co-founder Ben Solta this founded this in 2013, and then Cody was eventually hired by the Northside Leadership Conference as its Main Street manager a few years later. Mm-hmm. In that role, he actually promoted the festival too. So there are a lot of sort of, um, you know, the, the, the work and the volunteerism um, that all sort of overlapped. And so, again, I think a lot of people are sort of wondering, you know, what complexion this festival is going to take on next year. It's still going to be a big, free outdoor music festival. So I think to a lot of the casual fans who have enjoyed going in the past, it's going to seem, you know, for, by and large, the same as it has in years past. But whether that sort of spirit and the camaraderie that sort of course through Deutschtown Music Festival in the fast uh, returns, I think remains to be seen. Did you get a chance to to talk to anyone uh, who participated in it last year? And if they would participate this year in the Northside Music Festival, or did it kind of leave a bad taste in their mouth? I think that, you know, the, the bands that had played in years past, they got maybe $100, which worked out to like maybe $25 a member. My understanding is that like I think if a band came from a little further out of town, they would have maybe got like another $50 stipend. And so, you know, a lot of these bands really weren't paying for money. They were paying for the chance to perform with other bands in the city. They were really, um, you know, a lot of these bands were from the north side and they liked to perform within the north side to their mm-hmm. local home communities. So no one was playing this to get rich. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, and, and I think there's a quote, I don't know if it made the final story, but they said, you know, $25 a band member really isn't a lot, but at least it's something. It's an acknowledgement that you came, you took the time to set up and perform for this audience. And so again, you know, I don't think that anybody is performing at Deutschtown because they think they're going to make money money. But, you know, again, it remains to be seen, um, you know, how many bands are going to join on to this festival uh, now that there has been sort of this upheaval, now that uh, one of the co-founders is gone and now there is this sort of new name. Speaking of upheaval, we have had an interesting time with our state government and figuring out which party is in control. I know, Morgan, you've been kind of following like what's been happening with the special elections um, to see who has control of the state house. What happened? Yeah, so Democrats uh, won the three special elections in Allegheny County this week, making this the first time in 12 years that the party will be the House majority. So a whole lot of nothing has really been happening (laughs) in the House this year because they've been locked in a stalemate um, over who would control the House. So it sounds this sounds like more of a recap of like some HBO, you know, show about dragons (laughs) as well, our government. But um, Joe McAndrew uh, from 32nd District that's Penn Hills, Plum, Oakmont, Verona. Mm. He's going to replace uh, the late representative Tony DeLuca. Attorney Abigail Salisbury uh, will replace Summer Lee in the House District uh, 34. And Matt Gurgley will uh, fill the seat left by Lieutenant Governor Austin Davis in District 35. That's Mon Valley. Brian, do you know do you know anything about these three people and uh, and and what they're stepping into or what they stand for? To be honest with you, Morgan, I don't, you know, um, I typically stick with more of the local politics. A lot of the information that I get comes from uh, Stephen Caruso of Spotlight PA. So shout out to Stephen and his mm-hmm. diligent reporting from the state house. Um, I think it is fascinating right now that, you know, this is sort of the continuation from the general election. Like we in Pennsylvania finally know who is actually control of our state house. And now these elected officials can actually get down to the business of governing. Um, I believe there's a vote scheduled um, for later this 
this February the 21st. And the yeah. state actually needs uh, new rules now to dictate you know, how bills are introduced, amended, and voted on. And so even now that we know the Democrats are in control for the first time in 12 years, uh, now that you know we know that a lot of these bills that have maybe languished in committee for over a decade, they may see the light of day now. Uh, there's still a lot of time and effort that needs to go into actually sort of setting up these political processes to make uh, the actual wheels of government turn and to get some of these bills actually introduced and sort of some of the legislation actually beginning now. Right. And before we actually get into um, all of those rules and steps and, and, and what will come for the House, Brian, once these three are sworn in at the end of the month, the Democrats, again, will have the, uh, the majority in the House. How much is this like smaller blue wave going to influence the House agenda? That's a great question, Morgan. And I think just pragmatically, that one seat majority allows the Democrats to control what bills are coming up for a vote. And they really do have the reins of government that they haven't had in so long. So like I said, you know, there have been a lot of Democratic introduced bills that have maybe languished in the committee for over a decade now. Yeah, things like minimum wage in Pennsylvania, you know, that hasn't been considered livable in years you know it hasn't gone up from 725 in 13 years um, don't i know it i was from- <laughs> i was i was a teenager in like 2000 2014 thir- uh, 15 16 working for for very low amounts of money as a service worker yeah, it wasn't livable then. It certainly isn't very livable now with inflation. Um, former Governor Tom Wolf's proposals to raise minimum wage, they were usually ignored by Republican-controlled and led state legislature in the past. Um, Governor Josh Shapiro has said, you know, as state attorney general, that, you know, minimum wage should be raised to at least $15 an hour at least. Mm-hmm. Republicans also paid no mind to former Governor Tom Wolf's attempts to pass bills for things like discrimination protections based on sexual orientation and gender identity to state law. Pennsylvania is actually the only state in the Northeast without a law like that. And according to Spotlight PA, the state is just one of 27 in the nation without an explicit law banning that type of discrimination. Wow, that's not a great thing for, that's not a great record, that's not a great group for Pennsylvania to be a part of. No, that's not That's not a, a category I'd like to be recognized for. <laughs> um, another proposed amendment has been by the speaker, Mark Rossi. Um, it hasn't really gone anywhere because of the stalemate. It would create a two-year window for survivors of childhood sexual abuse to file civil lawsuits against their abusers and the institutions uh, that allowed it to happen. Hmm. Mark Razzi has said that he was going to be an independent Speaker of the House. Um, he has yet to switch to his from his Democrat status. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah, Morgan, um, my understanding is that there was some deal with the Republicans that would allow Rossi to relinquish um, his position within the Democratic Party and he would um, become an independent and then assume the speakership role in that regard. But he has not actually uh, relinquished his role within the Democratic Party. And there was actually an article within the Philadelphia Inquirer the other day um, in which the PA House Republican leader, Brian Cutler, had accused uh, Speaker Rossi of a, quote, significant breach of security. Apparently, um, there was a room on the fourth floor of the Capitol building in which the Republicans um, had always sort of kept, um, that was where their uh, council was based. It was where um, their chief of staff was located. And um, Rozzy, I guess, overnight one night had actually changed the locks in these offices. His understanding was, hey, you know, I'm the speaker now. This is my uh, turf. But the House Republican leader had said, you know, 
know like this was a serious uh, breach of security and he has asked uh, Rossi actually to step down from his role and has asked Governor Shapiro to investigate the lock change. Wow. That's a lot of drama for um, changing the locks, but I guess, you know, that's what lawmakers are known for, uh, their ability to cause drama. Um, those three who won the special elections, that's Joe McAndrew, Abigail Salisbury, and Matt Gurgley. They will be sworn in February 21st. The House will resume their next session the next day. Hey, Pittsburgh. Behind those stately red doors on Bingham Street, the brilliant minds at Pittsburgh's City Theater have a brand new stage show for you. It's a modern revamp of the Shakespearean classic Hamlet. Fat Ham follows a young queer black man named Juicy, whose father visits from beyond the grave to demand Juicy avenge his murder. Check it out through March 24th and get your tickets at citytheatercompany.org. Use code CITYCAST, all one word, for $5 off. Are either of you on Reddit? I only go on Reddit when I want to find out more conspiracies about things. (laughs) (laughs) I have been known to lurk on Reddit, but I am not a poster. Okay, okay. I'm actually on there a decent amount, specifically the Pittsburgh subreddit. I'm looking for stories. I'm asking for people's takes. Um, And I have a pretty good story from Reddit today. Uh, One user here for the beers decided to go to every major supermarket in the city of Pittsburgh with the same shopping list and figure out once and for all which is the cheapest overall, which has the best deals on what, and who has the best overall vibes. They went to Aldi, Walmart, Costco, Coons, Giant Eagle, Target, Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, and Shop and Save. So I'm going to ask you, which one do you think was the most expensive out of those? Definitely, definitely either Giant Eagle or Target. Giant Eagle. I was going to guess Whole Foods. Okay, okay. It was actually Costco, but on a technicality. (laughs) Yeah, you're getting getting a lot. Because the stuff was in these like large quantities, meaning that they had to spend $267.28 to kind of get that, um, Mm -hmm. get every item on their list. But when you break down the unit prices, which they did to like ounces or pounds of each item, um, it was only $82.88. And the most expensive was, drumroll please, but da 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 da. Whole Foods at $120.63. So, Brian, you are correct. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if that's I don't know if that's worthy of a prize, but um, you get an honorary prize in our hearts and minds. I could take a dozen eggs. That would really uh, save (laughs) a little bit of money. (laughs) That's a little out of our price range, uh, Brian. But um, yes. What about the cheapest though? With eggs being what they are, um, that is vital information. Yeah. So the list goes, and I should mention that this is for twenty-one items, like including things like apples, bananas, coffee, peanut butter, milk. Um, the cheapest was Aldi at eighty-one dollars and ninety-eight cents. Walmart falling closely, coming for Aldi's crown at eighty-two dollars and sixty-one cents, and then Costco at unit price, Coons with their sale price, Giant Eagle with their sale price last fuel perks, 
Very surprised by how cheap that was. Uh, Coons with no sale, Target with sale, Target no sale, Shop and Save with sales, Trader Joe's, Giant Eagle without sales, Shop and Save save without sales, Whole Foods, and then of course Costco at must-spend price. But you don't really have to remember all that because that's a lot of information and we will have the entire link to the spreadsheet that this wonderful person made um, in our show notes where you can kind of peruse and, and break down items. But it is funny you guys mentioned eggs uh, because one of the most interesting parts of this whole like kind of thread that I was following was which places had the cheapest of which products. And the eggs were cheapest at Whole Foods. Mm, I would not have expected that. I'm an Aldi man myself, and so I was not surprised to hear that Aldi was the most affordable. <laughs> Though I have noticed, you know, I used to be able to drop like dollar thirty, dollar forty for a dozen eggs, and now they're up over four, over five dollars. And what I've learned though is that the cage-free eggs, which I previously couldn't afford, they're now the same price as the regular eggs. So for me, I'm actually um, spending the same price that I would be on the ordinary eggs, but it's been a come up, and I can get the cage-free kind now. Yeah, well, at Whole Foods, they're $3.69, according to this Reddit user, which is a lot cheaper than the other places. Um, Here for the Beers also put Coons at the top of its list for vibes and uh, Giant Eagle dead last. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's 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 actually very accurate science right there. The vibes yeah, was, are off. Yeah, in yeah Giant I mean, Eagle. <laughs> all of this other stuff had really intense like math behind it, breaking down how much the sales gave you off, and then and then they had a rating out of ten of of vibes. And Coons was a nine, and um, Giant Eagle was a two. So. <laughs> pretty big, pretty big vibe things. Uh, but they did say that, like, you know, the vibes are subjective. Um, they loved how Coons has, like, a weird um, small town feel where, you know, the the workers will tell you not to buy something because it'll be on sale next week. And, um, you know, there was a woman who sold cheese who, who unprompted told their wife that um, uh, mozzarella was better than sex for about 10 minutes. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, to quote, you, you just can't get that. <laughs> yeah, you can't get you can't get unprompted cheese um, brands. So yeah, they said that the place was uh, that Coons was wildly inappropriate on a whole, but they'd much rather that than a stuffy, polished giant eagle. Um, but again, it is all up to everyone's personal tastes. Um, but I guess like I think the best vibes overall goes to this Reddit user because they donated the the food that they purchased to people in need and they created a great resource for all of us. So I guess I just want to say cheers to Here for the Beers on Reddit. Cheers. Brian, thank you so much for joining us this week on Friday News Roundup. Thanks for having me, Morgan. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. Our team this week includes Megan Harris, yes, she's back, Mallory Falk, Elizabeth Kama, Francesca DeBecco, and me, Morgan Moody. Our tunes are by Benji. And we'll be back on Monday with more news from around the city. So we'll see you then. Have a great weekend. I need I need to go outside. I'm like, is it really that nice though? I need to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> The hype is real. <laughs> <laughs>